right. Well, let's take our Bibles and let's go to the book of Romans this evening. All right. Romans chapter 8 tonight is where we will be. Romans chapter 8. And uh, as many of you well know by now, we are looking at a different series of study uh, or, or series of messages, if you will, on Sunday nights. And the title of that series is this, Things That Just Don't Make Sense. And we know in the world in which we live today, there are many things that just, uh, well, they don't make sense, you know. And uh, this past week, I found out some more things that don't make sense, like this. There are some people who do not like turkey at Thanksgiving. (laughs) I'm sorry, but that don't make a lot of sense to me, all right? Maybe you just ain't had a good turkey yet. You know what you need to do? You need to take that turkey and smoke that thing, and I promise you'll like it, all right? It won't turn out dry, and it'll be good and juicy, but anyway. And I also found out there are some people who who would much prefer pumpkin pie over apple pie. That don't make a lot of sense to me. Anybody here understand what I'm saying? All right, anybody? Okay, we're going to have a church split over pie. That's all right. But uh, is this true? I would I'd much prefer apple pie to pumpkin any day of the week, especially a little vanilla ice cream on top of that thing. Mm, tell you what. But uh, there are some things, listen, there are some things in our world just simply do not make, make sense. And as we read in our Bibles, sometimes we find some phrases and uh, some texts, some verses, we read them, and after we read them, we scratch our heads a little bit and, and get to wondering, you know, that just didn't make a lot of sense to me. And they can be a little bit hard to, to understand. And some of those phrases and verses and even principles we find that come to my mind at least are, are ones such as these. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, the Bible says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And as you think about this, I don't know about you, but for me, loving my enemies, you know, the ones who hate you, the ones who want to persecute you and do you harm, uh, praying for those, those individuals, well, in our natural mind, does not make a ton of sense. Yet the principle is still the same. We should pray for those, pray for those and love those that are considered our enemies. Or this one here, Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, our natural mind, this verse here, will not make a ton of sense uh, wanting, wanting to uh, return good for evil. Because in our natural mind, we want to turn evil for evil. We want to fight fire with fire. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. You want me to suffer, I'm going to cause you to suffer. You want me to uh, endure pain, well, I'm going to want you to endure pain. That's, the, that's our natural mindset, but here the Bible's plain and clear when it says, be not overcome of evil, or overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcoming evil with good just doesn't make a ton of sense. But it's these types of uh, phrases and principles and texts we find in our Bible at first when we read them and look at them. It may not make a lot of sense, but when we consider them in their context and apply them to our life, listen, in the end, they really can make a ton of sense. So let's look at another one this evening, and it's a phrase I would like to consider, and it's this phrase, and we're going to find uh, Romans chapter 8 in just a minute, we'll read a little bit about it, but it's this phrase, understand this, all right? Good can come from bad. It can. Good can come from 
bad. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, a very famous verse. <clears throat> it's quoted many times many people, especially as they're going through difficulties and, <clears throat> and troubles and trials in their life. But look at verse 28. The Bible says, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for, what's the next word? For good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Again, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good. Our fathers, we consider this verse today, as we consider this phrase today, help us to know and understand and mark it down and concrete it in our lives that truly there can be some good come from the bad things we, we face in life. And help us, Lord, to trust you with them all and see how good you are in those moments. Help us, I pray, in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, please know that uh, I try to make it my goal to be encouraging and edifying when I preach and teach the Bible. So I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer when I'm about to read you a phrase and tell you something. But understand, you and I, if we are breathing, if you're breathing, raise your hand. All right, somebody didn't raise your hand. Poke somebody beside you and make sure they're alive, all right? <laughs> but if you're breathing, understand, you and I will face difficulties. We will face bad times. Times we would never choose for ourselves. But it's those times we will go through. As one preacher once said, you're either about to be in a storm, you are currently in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. And Jesus said it this way, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John 16 and verse 33. We will have tribulation, we will have those times, those pressureish times, those times that are pressing together, anguish and distressing times, times of tribulation. Now, we will face those times, but why do we face them? Well, the simple answer is this, is because we live in a sin-cursed and fallen world, and because of that, bad things can happen. And when we look at those bad circumstances, negative circumstances that can happen in our life and surround us, we can start to question why. Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? And what good could possibly come out of this circumstance or this situation that I am in? Or maybe even this question. Maybe you've heard it said before. I've heard it said before several times. And it comes from, um, not always comes from a, a, a place of um, skepticism, but it just comes from a place of hurt. But this question, Pastor, if God's so good, why is he allowing bad things to happen? Or you can put it this way, someone said it this way, why do bad things happen to good people? Anybody ever heard that question before? All right, be honest in yourself, silently in your heart. Have you ever asked that question before? No doubt many of us have. But why do bad things happen to good people? And if, you, uh, if you've ever asked this question, have ever heard this question, understand you're not alone. There was a, um, now I don't put a ton of stock in these statistics and these Barna polls and stuff like that. However, they can render some good uh, thought-provoking uh, conversations, all right? But there was a Barna poll that asked, if you could ask God one question and you knew he would give you the answer, what question would you ask? And the most common response in that poll was this question. 
Why is there pain and suffering in the world? So people want to know, why do bad things happen? There are folks everywhere dealing with difficulties and wondering this. Why? Why am I going through this? Why am, I, why am I having this happen to me? Why is bad things happening? You can even look in your Bibles and find characters that seem to ask this question as well. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm, Psalm 6, verse 3 through 10. My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. Oh, save me, from, from, or save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxes old because of mine enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return. And be ashamed suddenly. But the psalmist asked that question at the very beginning. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? How long do I need to go through this? How long will I endure this, O Lord? How long? And the psalmist here was asking why he was going through such evil things by evil men. And it seemed it had no end to it. Even Job in Job chapter 7 verse 17 through 21 asked this question. What is man? That thou shouldest magnify him, and thou shouldest set thine heart upon him, and thou shouldest visit him every morning and try him every moment. How long wilt thou not depart from me, nor let me alone till I swallow down my spittle? I have sinned. What shall I do unto thee, O thou preserver of men? Why hast thou set me as a mark against thee, so that I am a burden to myself? Now why dost thou not pardon my transgression and take away mine iniquity? For now shall I sleep in the dust, now shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. He was asking again, why is this going on? Why am I have this burden? Why are these things happening to me? So understand, you're not alone if you have that question. You're not, a, not alone if you ever wonder if can there actually be good come out of bad. But understand something during these times when these questions are asked, is from people who are going through some deep waters and deep trouble and deep anguish. So understand it comes from a place, can come from a place of hurt. But as Bible-believing Christians with a biblical world view understand, we know this to be true about God. We know. We know He is good. We know God is love. We know He has our best interest in mind. We know God does not just go around making bad things to happen. Yet, yet for some good-meaning people, look, good people, believers, Christians, it can be hard sometimes to reconcile what we see in the world, uh, the, 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 the terrible times, the terrible things, the cruel violence, the hatred of people, crimes against innocent uh, people, especially children. Look, I can't wrap my mind around that one. And when, when, when I see innocent children get hurt, that gets my blood boiling and, and uh, you know, bad thoughts go through my head against the individual who did that. All right. I don't understand that. But when you see these things happen in the world, natural disasters, sickness, disease, and so much more, when you see these things happen, it's hard to reconcile the bad things we see to what we know to be true about God. Again, how He's good, how He is love, how He is kind, how He is merciful, how He is gracious. God is forgiving, patient, tender, compassionate. How our God is the Savior, He's the Lord, He is the King. 
He is the ruler. He is sovereign. He is God. We know these things to be true, and yet we see these other things as well out in, in the world. We know these to be true about our God, and yet we know in the world in which we live that is full of darkness and sin and wickedness. How can this be? Now, just on a side note, I don't want you to get too depressed in this message, all right? On a side note, please know, please know that in the end, God makes all things new. Basically, he fixes it all. One day, God will fix it all. The Bible says in Revelation 21, verse 1 through 5, and I saw John speaking. Of course, he's pinning these words down. And I saw a new heaven and new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There's no more sea, and I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold... I make all things new. So we know one day that God's going to take care of everything. He'll make all things new. He'll make everything perfect. And so no wonder John, who was privileged to see this, this new city, this new Jerusalem coming down, no wonder he, he's, he adamantly said, Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because he was privileged to see it. And he knew the Lord was going to fix it all and take care of it all. But still the question today for us remains in the moment in which we live how can God allow some of these things to happen? And I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. That question is hard to answer. And uh, I don't know if some of the answers that folks give, some of the answers that we try to give, if those answers were ever good enough, especially from some of the terrible things that people do go through and do endure. I don't know if there would be sufficient enough. Because, again, that question comes from a place of hurt, of trouble, of difficulty, and great confusion. So I don't know if the answer's. That we try to give will ever be good enough for those individuals. But still, we need to understand and try to know this. Yes, trials come, troubles come, but good can come out of bad. It can. So let's consider that this evening. And number one, a lot for us to consider is this. Where does the bad come from? All right. Where does the bad come from? Now, we're going to say it this way. Where does evil come from? But where does the bad come from? Now, I want us to know from the very start that God is not the author of evil, okay? He did not uh, uh, create evil. Now, some would have you think he is the author of evil, but, but everybody has the right to be wrong, okay? But uh, he did not create evil. He didn't create sin. He didn't create anything with the intention of you falling or failing. No, he did not do that. Understand when God created everything in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says this in verse 31, And God saw everything He had made, and behold, it was very good. Everything He created was good. Therefore, there was no evil, no sin. Everything was good, but we know that changed one day. As we read on in our Bibles in Genesis chapter 3, we know what happened. In verse 1 through 6, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You should not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You should not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You should not surely die, 
For God hath known the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So understand, it was the devil that brought the first temptation to mankind and plunged mankind into sin. So please mark it down and know God's not the source of evil. No, the devil is the source of all evil. He is, after all, the Bible says, the evil one, right? The epitome of evil. Jesus made this very clear when he prayed in the garden in John 17, 15. Jesus said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Now we should take note when, when saying this here, that Jesus praying in this, in this portion of Scripture in John 17, He's not praying that his disciples be kept from evil as in a general sense, but rather be kept from evil in a specific sense. And we get that when he says the evil, definite article there, all right? So Jesus is praying for his disciples to be kept from the evil one, meaning the devil himself. Again, we can see this principle in the model prayer that Jesus gives for us to pray in Matthew 6, 13. When he says, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, not in a general sense, but more specific sense, as in the devil himself. What I'm trying to get across this evening from this point is this. Evil comes from the devil. Bad things come from him. Sin comes from Satan. John eight forty four. he, that's the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the flesh because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. Evil comes from the devil. He is the epitome of it, epitome of evil. Now, we know this, but sometimes, listen, sometimes when you go through those valley moments, when you go through those trying trials of life, when you go through those times of life when you are hurt and you're suffering pain and great confusion, we can question why is God doing this to me. I've heard that before. They point an accusing finger at God, that God is making all of this happen. Because in that moment, we forget really the source of the bad things. It's not God, but it's the devil himself. So, since God doesn't make bad things happen, he does do this, though, sometimes he allows it. God rules and overrules, but he does allow sometimes these things to happen in our lives. Number two, why? Why does he allow it, though? And to answer that question, let me ask a question. If everything in your life was perfect, you had great health, your bank account was full, you wanted for nothing. If uh, your relationships were perfect, Every, everything at home was just hunky-dory and amazing. You had the best job with the best boss. You had the whatever, you fill in the blank, all right? Just, just paint your life as perfect as you can possibly imagine. If everything was perfect in your life, let me ask you, would you ever seek after God? If everything was perfect, would you ever see your need of the Lord? I would dare say we probably would. Probably not. If everything was going well and everything was good. You see, sometimes in our time of hurt and trouble and pain, the devil wants us to see that evil that has come against us and make it look like God did it. 
Make it look like God doesn't care. God is not good. That God, well, he's just a big man upstairs so mean to you. That's what he wants to do. But God, listen, in his infinite wisdom, will allow those things to happen and prove that he is good. Uh, that he is love. That he is compassionate and so much more to you personally. And you've got to take, for instance, several characters in Scripture that prove this point over and over again. You can go to the Old Testament and look at the man Joseph. And we know much about Joseph, right? Uh, that we know Joseph, there was nothing, that, as far as we can tell, nothing negative recorded about him. Although he went through some horrendous times in his life from his own flesh and blood. Now, how would you like to live in that family? You think your family's bad and want to live with, with Joseph's family, all right? But he went through some horrendous times from his own flesh and blood. How his brothers hated him. How they, how they uh, uh, conspired against him. Really, eventually, or at first, wanted to kill him. By little Simeon that uh, talked the brothers out of that and came up with a, another plan to make money off of him. Had him sold to the merchants that were going down to Egypt. And so he was <clears throat> sold as a slave, the price of a slave. And then he was bought by Potiphar. And it seemed that God had blessed Joseph's hand there to Potiphar's house. And, and everything he basically touched was, was basically turned to gold. It's a figure of speech, of course. But everything was going so good there. But Potiphar's wife lied about him. Tried to lie with him, as the Bible says, but he would have none of that. He, he fled out of the presence of Potiphar's wife, where she lied, had him put in prison. He was in prison for many years. Many years. And finally, he got out. He went from the pit to the prison to the palace. He's basically second command to Pharaoh. But he went through some horrendous treatment in his life. I believe it was from ages 17 to, to 30 or 31, somewhere in, that, somewhere in that age gap, all right? But for several years, he went through some horrendous treatment and horrendous trials of life. Just bad. Every turn, just about, it seemed like everything was bad, bad, bad. But God was working all those bad things for his good. And not just for Joseph's good, but for the good of all of Egypt, for the good of all the, all the nations around Egypt, and for the good of Joseph's family. Look at what the Bible says. Listen to what the Bible says. In Genesis 15, verse 20, Joseph speaking to his brothers. He said, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day. Here's the reason. Here's the good to save much people alive. Joseph realized that all the bad things that happened in his life were turned around for a greater good. And so many people were saved. Saved from the famine. And take for instance, you go to the New Testament, you look at the life of Paul, even himself. And we know how things, great things Paul suffered physically the beatings he suffered, the imprisonments that he suffered, and so much more that he went through. No doubt, time and time again, the devil would have brought the, the doubt to Paul and tried to get Paul to question God, to blame God. No doubt the devil wanted Paul to do that, but how did Paul respond to those times of his life? He said this in Romans eight eighteen. He said, for I reckon, Paul was a good southerner anyway, for I reckon... That the things of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And again, another time when he was a prisoner, he let it be known to the Philippians to whom he was writing of the good that came out of the bad situation. He said this in Philippians 1, 12 through 14. But I would you should understand, brethren, 
The things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds, by this imprisonment, by these chains he's in, by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He knew there was good and the bad he was enduring and suffering. And he, he said that he was in these bonds so that Christ would be manifest in all the palace. Have you ever connected? I, I encourage you to connect this one day. Go to Philippians and, and maybe I'll do it now. It's fine. But connect Philippians 1, verse 12 through 14, to Philippians 4, verses 21 through, through 24. I want to read that to you. As Paul is finishing up his letter, he says, Salute every saint in, in Jesus Christ. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Caesar's household. Do you think Caesar's household was the palace? Yes or no? I'd say he probably lived in the palace. But remember, it was because the bonds that Paul was in, he had the opportunity to go to the palace and, and show forth, or preach forth rather, Jesus and him crucified. But it was a reason he had to go to the palace because there's people there willing and ready to receive the message of Jesus Christ because there were saints after the palace and after the prison there that were uh, saluting the Philippian believers. When he says, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household, they salute you. It's amazing. God brought all these bad things and turned around for his good. God can bring good out of the bad. He can. He can. Again, take for instance, we just looked at him uh, for, for several months, but take for instance the miracles of Christ. We studied together. When you look at those, and uh, most of them, you will find individuals who are facing some terrible circumstances of life, either in their, in their body physically or in their life somehow, or, or even in their spirit, right? They were suffering. But in every single instance, in every single circumstance of those miracles, it caused those people that were suffering, going through the bad things, it caused those people to do this, to come to the Lord, to come to God, to bring their family member, bring their fan, uh, a friend to Jesus, so that that bad stuff they were facing would bring, bring them to a good God who's able to help them. And able to deliver them. Understand, good can come from bad. It can. It can. And God can work all things for good. So you can see person after person in Scripture. We can look at more and more and more. Now, person after person in Scripture. You can look at David, how the things he suffered. But in those suffering times of life and the run for his life in the wilderness, he learned more about God in the wilderness than he ever did in the palace. But you can look time and time again at individuals from Scripture and see how God can bring about good things from, from the bad. And they could, they could see the good from them. Now, in those moments, though, these men and others like them that we looked at in Scripture, they could have allowed the devil to use those tragedies. Could allow the devil to use those tragedies to pull them away from the Lord. But they allowed those times, those hard times, difficult times, tragic times, bad times. They allowed those times to bring them closer to Jesus. And to seek the Lord and come to the Lord. And they saw good from the bad. So it could be that even the times we face, listen. Even the times that we face in our lives even today. It could be that the devil would want you to doubt the goodness of God. He wants you to be pulled away from the Lord, pulled away from the Bible, pulled away from time of prayer, pulled away from the church. 
Oh, he would love it. He'd want to pull you away. He'd want to use those times to do so. Why? Because the devil hates you. <laughs> he does. He's a roaring lion seeking, walking about seeking who he may devour. He hates you. Because he hates God ultimately. He would do everything he can to try to divide you from Jesus. And remember, the devil tried to do this with Peter. Even Jesus said this to Peter in Luke 22, verse 31 through 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold. That word behold is a good word, by the way. It means, hey, look up here. Look, I've got something very important to tell you. Behold, Simon, look here, man. Behold, Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I had prayed for thee, that thy faith fell not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. That word sift here means to shake violently. And no doubt the devil desired to have Peter to shake him violently, to shake his faith, shake his trust, shake his confidence in God. And he would do that through any difficulty or trial that Peter would go through. And yet the Lord wants to use those same trials, those same difficulties, those same bad things to show you there can be good come from them and show you how good God really is. And so we must, in those moments, we must humble ourselves and bring our cares and bring those confusion and difficult times to the Lord and allow God to show us really how good He is. And show us that God can bring good out of the bad. Now, I know sometimes it don't make sense. It don't make sense. I'm going through this bad thing. But where's the good? You're talking about tonight, Pastor, where's the good? I don't see it yet. Well, maybe not yet. But have you cast your care upon the Lord for He cares for you? Have you done that? He brought those things to the feet of Jesus. Allow Him to work them for your good. He will. I'm confident of that. As, as hard as they may be to endure them and go through them, I'm confident that God will work them for good. And He can work them and will work them for His glory as well. But we must trust Him. We must give it to Him completely and trust Him in that moments. Now I understand that sometimes what I just said is easier said than done. But until it's done, what's going to happen? You must give it to the Lord. Bring it to Him. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. I truly believe we can see some good out of it. Some good out of it.